All right. Here we go. Quiet. I'm Andrew Willis, the host of Movies Now and Then. We're a podcast that looks at one new release film in theaters, then we compare and contrast it with a classic or underappreciated film from cinema history. We're not a traditional movie show in that we try to have a more conversational approach to our discussion. We want our listeners to be informed, engaged, and hopefully even entertained. If this sounds like something you might enjoy, give us a listen. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere podcasts are found by searching Movies Now and Then. Hey there, this is Randy from electronicmediacollective.com, and what you are about to listen to is an interview I recorded with Andrew Willis. I got his name right this time. Andrew Willis of Movies Now and Then. And this is an interview we had recorded about his show and what brought him to podcasting. We had recorded this for International Podcast Day 2017. This originally streamed on our Facebook page on September 30th. And in fact, you are actually going to hear more conversation. There's a couple little talking points I had cut out of the interview before streaming it to the Facebook page just to kind of streamline things a little bit. But I've gone ahead and added that back in because it was still a good piece of conversation. So, yay, extra bonus stuff. And since I've got you here, I wanted to mention we have a couple new shows that have joined the network just recently, and I want to welcome them and suggest you go check them out. If you're into horror, you should check out What Are You Afraid Of? A paranormal and horror show uh, hosted by T. Fox Dunham and Phil Thomas. They joined the network recently, and like I said, if you're into horror, ghost stories, true accounts of the paranormal, and fictional horror, you should definitely check that show out. And in fact, we have on the 28th, October 28th, coming up to this Halloween, uh, we will be live streaming a special episode to the Electronic Media Collective Facebook page. So that's facebook.com slash electronic media collective. They will be streaming a live episode to our page. So that's awesome. And then out of Ireland, we have two other new shows, uh, the Superior Comic Show. So you should check them out to hear fantastic comic book discussions, comic book movie talk, just all that stuff. And then also, the most recent show to join the network, we just announced it today, in fact, is The Kickout, which is a pro wrestling show out of Ireland as well. And that's a great show that covers uh, wrestling topics from Ireland as well as uh, international, you know, WWE, all that good stuff that, that you guys like. Some new horror, some new comic book talk, and some new wrestling talk on the network for you. And now, I'm going to jump to this interview with Andrew Willis so he can tell you about his show in which they discuss movies. What more could you want? You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. I am here with Andrew Willis from Movies Now and Then. Uh, How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Randy? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Excited for International Podcast Day. Yeah, me too. One thing I'm kind of hoping with this stream is that International Podcast Day, it's kind of, too, I guess, kind of like podcast awareness, right? Like the idea of spreading <laughs> spreading the word of podcast to people. But I, a problem I find sometimes is podcasters will get 
way into the podcasting side of it, like the behind mm-hmm. the scenes stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, people who are new to yeah. podcasting don't necessarily need to know some of that they stuff. They don't care about what kind of microphone you're using. Exactly. Exactly. Which, you know, as a podcaster, that stuff fascinates me. But mm. as an audience listener, I don't think they're too interested in that. So you've been on our, you've been on the network for just a little bit of time now. Tell me a little bit about your show, Movies Now and Then. Okay, sure. My show is, we record about once a month, and the concept of the show, we announce it at the beginning of every show. We look at one film currently in theaters or on VOD, and then we compare and we contrast that with a classic or underappreciated film from cinema history. Uh, We kind of look for... Well, the interesting thing is I never see the new movie before we pick the old movie. So I kind of go by promotions, by marketing, things like that. And then I try to sync something up kind of uh, aesthetically or with what I think like the meaning of the movie is going to be. So uh, what's interesting is when you find one movie that actually has nothing to do with the marketing – And then you've picked an older movie and it's more of a challenge than to kind of say, well, how do these two movies inform one another or, you know, is there any potential influence? What do they have in common? What do they not have in common? In in that scenario, have you ever had to just kind of throw your hands up and be like, I can't find any connection here? Or is it can you usually find some type of connection? You can use the trick, I think, is you can usually find some sort of connection, but you don't want to strain it too hard. You mm-hmm. don't want to say, like, oh, both of these movies had scenes that were shot outside, because then you're talking about virtually, you know, every, you know, most every movie that's ever been made. But uh, if you look at the way, I, I can't remember, there's some philosopher who has said that there's only like 13 different storylines, and then we just populate those stories with different characters, put them in different situations, so forth. Like the hero story, like the traditional Star Wars you know, would be one that a lot of people would think of or Jesus would think of. You have your reluctant hero. He like has a calling. He refuses the calling. He eventually accepts the calling. It's a very boy meets girl, boy loses girl type of situation. So... You you don't want to be bland and too lazy with your comparisons, but at the same time, you don't want to overstretch it either. Sure. So how did um, the motivation between pairing an older movie and a current movie, like how did that idea kind of come to mind? Uh, Honestly, I had been listening to podcasts, movie-related podcasts for close to a decade, basically since I had my first iPod uh, was it a nano? It was like the size of a very large cigarette lighter. Mm-hmm. And um, I got the in, got sort of the idea of possibly I might want to talk about film via podcast. I, I watch somewhere close to 300 movies a year. I write about every one of them that I uh, watch. And I basically just started looking for a niche. I, and I don't typically just watch new. I by far, I watch more classic foreign films than I do new films. Uh, so I knew I kind of wanted to talk about older movies, but you just can't jump. You just can't say older movies. And I didn't want to strip things down to just looking at like film noir. Like I didn't think that was going to be a podcast I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, me, uh, there's another website called Letterboxd where a lot of it's a social site for people that put their opinions of films on there. And uh, me and a person on there we had messaged back and forth quite a bit i got the idea i said hey one day i was like would you be interested in podcasting he's like well maybe and i 
came up with the concept of one new movie, one old movie. And uh, he liked it. And we kind of ran with it from there. Oh, man. I love Letterboxd. I'm not on there as much as I used to be. But uh, yeah, Letterboxd is great. Yeah, I've five, seven years now, something like that. Basically, I mean, I was on it in beta and yeah, mm-hmm. I, everything I watch, everything I watch, I at least give you a couple paragraphs on or at least keep a couple of paragraphs on. Okay, so you mentioned 300 plus movies a year. So are you, yeah. you're, you're doing a movie a day then? Pretty uh, much? Well, so last year I broke my foot and I did two full months on the couch of choking down four, three to four movies a day. Wow. wow. But uh, to keep it 300, yeah, it's two and a three a week, four a week, something like that. This year, my numbers are quite a bit down, but I try not to look at it as numbers either. Oh, my, sure. I think yet last year, like I said, it was 430 or something, and I'd never want to watch 430 movies in a year again. That was, I don't feel as if I had the time to appreciate each one. So I've kind of taken it back this year some, but, uh, you know, and trying not to make it about the numbers, trying to make it about, you know, the love of cinema. And um, there's a, a book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must Watch Before You Die, mm-hmm. that I've kind of used as uh, a guiding light for my film fanaticism, I guess. Every three months, I kind of post about how many of those 1001 I've seen, somewhere in the 700 range now. Nice. And then, you, but then you mix that in with like maybe some sort of classic horror movie that's not going to make a list like that, or you know, none of the new movies obviously are making that list. So it's it's a split stuff up. Find what you're interested in. I don't really do marathons too much. I, like if I did a western marathon for me, it might uh, all those movies would sort of blend together, and mm-hmm. again, I wouldn't get to appreciate each one on its own merits. That's kind of my concept of watching movies. And then when it comes to podcasting um we just got really oh our first podcast was it's atrocious there's an episode one of movies now and then like i think two people have listened to it there's a file on my hard drive but um we did not know what we were doing and it is a mess but episode (laughs) two is available you know everywhere and we reviewed mad max fury road and a movie called on the beach that's this australian i believe when the movie starts, we've learned that there was a war and that the planet has basically nuked itself into oblivion. And the only living, the only known survivors are in Australia. I'm trying to remember the cast, Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner. I think Fred Astaire has like a dramatic role in it. Anthony Perkins is in it. Fred Astaire plays a race car driver. So it was this post-apocalyptic Australian race car driving movie. And lined up really great with uh, Fury Road. Real big discovery for that one for us. I like your show's premise a lot. I think it's a brilliant idea because you've got a, a lot of times you're going to have uh, people, they want to hear people talk about the new movies out. Um, but it's also great because in, like in that situation, then there's, there's, they'll get, they'll get the new, they'll get discussion of, uh, you know, Fury Road, which is not new at this point, but new at that right. then. Right. And, and then also potentially discover this great older movie that they may not may have never heard of. Yeah, it helps to put things in context. There's a, another podcast with a similar theme. It's called The Next Picture Show. And those are professional critics. They also look at one film, one new film, and one classic film. And they some, say something in their intro like they believe that all of culture ex- doesn't exist in a bubble, that everything is 
uh, richer when it's put in context with why came before it. And I kind of agree with what they have to say there. Hmm. Mad Max Fury Road is a better movie because of On the Beach. It's a fantastic movie on its own merits, but when you can look back and you can see whether it was a direct influence or not, you know, the, there's a uh, Australian movie called The Cars That Ate Paris, and Mad Max Fury Road definitely stole some of the vehicle design from that movie. So that's kind of actually how I got into movies was I, I watched uh, Pulp Fiction in 1994 when I was about 17. Mm-hmm. And I was just a, a regular movie fan at that time. I just went and saw like whatever the popular movie in theaters was. And Quentin Tarantino in his script, he he talks about like French New Wave movies. And he talks about black exploitation movies and a bunch of these other things. And I just fell in love with Pulp Fiction and I decided to start. I was like, oh, well, what are the stuff that influenced him? And then it just started on this long, long journey of trying to consume like as much cinema as possible and then not being able to shut up about it and i thought well i might as well put a microphone in front of my face if i'm going to ramble on this long oh sure and one thing i enjoy about listening to your show is you you know your stuff it seems like the last several years i've kind of i've definitely fallen out of i guess just as avid uh movie watching as I used to, but I was like, yeah, I know movies. I know movies. And then I was listening to your show and I was like, no, no, <laughs> these guys know, no movies. Um, we're, we're hardcore. There's no question. Yeah, you are for sure. For sure. And, and I think I can't remember which episode I first listened to of your show, but it, you were asking, um, your guest about his favorite, I don't know, world movies from, before a certain year or something along those lines. And I'm like, sure, sure. I would have no answer. And I, you know, <laughs> and I've been on big kicks where like, well, I just want to watch a bunch of foreign movies. Um, it, but I would, I'd have, yeah, I would have no answer for that. And, uh, so yeah, you guys know well, there's, a, there's a little, there could very easily be a little bit of cheating there. If you, if you use letterbox to its fullest potential, you can simply sort by like what year movies came out and you can see what you've seen for that particular year. But, uh, honestly, most of my passwords on my computers are different movies. The title of the movie with the year that it came out, it's just something that like, it doesn't take me any time to tell you that. King Kong came out in 33 or the red shoes came out in 48 or whatever it happens to be. Those are, and we actually play a game at the end of my show. Every show we try to slip in one game and one of them is called the wonder years where the back and forth, I will name a year and the co-host will try to guess what movie they came out in. And we do that three or four times and whoever uh, is closest at the end of the game wins. And I, I lose almost every almost every week so i like to think of myself as being somewhat of a hardcore cinephile but the people that i'm talking to are are typically at least as informed if not more informed than i am more experienced so with the amount of movies you that you consume i don't imagine you'd run into this issue but is there ever been a time when you've picked something to cover for the podcast specifically that you just had a horrible time getting through like you just had the hardest time getting through this movie or is there anything any movie that you've come to the show just either not wanting to talk about it or just not really having anything good to say yeah about it? It, there's been a couple of movies that have fell a little bit flat as i try to remember i think we're close to 30 episodes now um 
I remember we did Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. And and that movie felt a little bit thin about things to talk about. We paired that up with Ant-Man. So we this was sort of like a person shrinking very small. And we compared that with a person growing very large. And honestly, I'm not much of a superhero movie fan. So I didn't have a ton of stuff to talk about with Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And Attack of the 50-Foot Woman is, very, one, it's very short. It's not a very long movie at all. And she doesn't actually grow 50 feet large until the last maybe... 15 minutes of the movie. And uh, so it was it was an interesting pairing, but it kind of left uh, the conversation a little bit thin, I think. Sure, sure. For every one of those, though, we get like an all that jazz where we just have to like stop after so much. Like I can, I edit all of my shows as well. And it's like, I can't edit three and a half hours of this. Like we just have to, we have to stop because me and whoever it was I was talking with could have gone on forever. <laughs> And before we move on from there, um, other than the Electronic Media Collective uh, podcast network, where can people find your show? Oh, my show is available pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, I typically promote via, I guess, Apple Podcasts is what we're calling it now, but mm-hmm. it's available on Google Play, Stitcher. I'm not on SoundCloud. I mean, the the death of SoundCloud has kind of been all over my feeds lately, so mm-hmm. I pulled out before that ship went down. Um, iHeartRadio, we're on there. Google Play, you can find us on there. You can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. All right, so let's step back a little bit and um, podcasts in general. How did you? How did you come to? I guess how did you get into podcasts? And I assume, I assume you're also a fairly avid podcast listener. A lot of the people, at least the people that actually produce and do the editing work and all that, they usually are. So how did you get into listening to podcasts first off? Oh, it was very simple. So I mentioned earlier that first uh, Apple iPad, iPod that I had, um, had like you would scroll, you would turn your, you know, move your finger clockwise to scroll down. And there was a button there, feature there for podcasts. So I went to what that was, not even knowing what a podcast was. And then uh, it took me to the iTunes store, of course, which I found something called film spotting. It was the first film-related podcast that popped up. At the time, it was probably one of only a handful. We're talking maybe 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Film spotting is old school. Yeah, yeah. And they are the godfathers of at least film-related podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. So I just listened to that one show for, I don't know, years and then found a few others. There's another one called Battleship Pretension that I really enjoyed and then started listening to Slash Film and it, uh, the Criterion cast that takes a look at Criterion movies. And it kind of grew my podcast interest grew and grew and grew. And it was something I listened to while I like mowed grass or I know a lot of people do it while they exercise. I ride a bicycle now. I listen to them while I ride my bicycle. Um, uh, yeah, it kind of grew from there. Now, I don't know. I probably have 15 podcasts on a pretty regular rotation most all of them are film related in one way or another oh interesting okay i'll uh throw in a uh plug for another show on the network uh, book versus movie mm-hmm. is a podcast i found simply because i joined your network and was looking at some of the other podcasts that were around i said okay here's another movie related show and uh that's one that i enjoy quite a bit actually yeah, that show's great. The Margos yep. do, uh, and and they have you know guests occasionally. They do a fantastic yep. job. Yeah, they really do. I feel, I mean, because they instead of doing one old movie, one new movie, they look at one movie and 
contrast that with one book and they openly say on the show that they're not experts in movies or books. Um, but it's sort of interesting to hear that, you know, it's not, my show is probably more in depth or more focused on, um, themes or things like that. We dig deeper into a movie than maybe they do, but it's interesting to hear, uh, their approach to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a sucker for a podcast with a great premise and their show had that fantastic premise where I'm like, how, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure there are other shows like that, but I'm like, how, how have I not come across this yet? And then your show had a great premise. And then of course, you know, I check those shows out and, um, the execution is good. And like, you know, you guys do a fantastic job, uh, uh, dissecting these movies. Um, but well, yeah. thank you for me, for me, podcasting, good podcasting, podcasting is all about structure. Like I, for every show, I write a full outline of now it's not a script. It's not the words that are going to be said, but I keep an outline. This is what's going to happen at this time in the show, uh, back and forth between myself and a co-host. Uh, there are just like in film spotting, there are structured segments that you know, how long each thing is supposed to run. And I think it's nice when people have something reliable that they can go back and they know that they're going to get, uh, they know what they're going to get in advance. I've listened to podcasts that aren't that way that seem to kind of shoot from the hip. And I, I struggled to listen to those for, you know, more than a couple of shows. I was about to ask you, so what was it that pushed you into podcasting? But I guess you kind of covered it a little bit with um, talking about Letterboxd and, uh, you, you know, you have a lot to say about movies. Yeah. Why not record it? <laughs> I guess at what point, because podcasting is a lot of work. Um, yeah. Uh, so what drove you to, to really dive into it? I think it's maybe the creativity aspect of it. You know, I, I, when I was younger, I dreamed of being a filmmaker after basically after Pulp Fiction, like I said, um, and realized, you know, that wasn't really, that was most likely not in my cards. And I tried writing. I'm not a fantastic writer, but I do have this kind of artistic impulse to create. And I've made a couple of very short documentaries or, uh, you know, short film types of things. And that was really enjoyable. But really one of my favorite parts of that was putting it together, not so much shooting it, but like the producing of it, the editing and, and uh, planning stages. So uh, because I had an interest in film, because actually my knowledge of podcasting, of the scope of podcasting, I'm finding out was very, very narrow. Like I, I realized there were a lot of podcasts, but by a lot, I thought that meant like 200, 250, <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not like 4 million podcasts. Oh, there are there's, so I'm many. Sure there's a podcast about like roofing nails, like what different types of roofing nails that you could use. So once I got into it and I started finding that like, this onion just the layers just kept peeling off of it and peeling off of it i i realized what a small fish i was in a in a giant pond but so the the impulse to create is what brought me into podcasting and then the, the enjoyment that i get out of you know actually producing it and thinking about a show and i i've met and spoke with just one like i've never spoke with any of my co-hosts that i didn't like immediately connect with and um i just like thinking about movies and it's nice to be able to share like i love going to watch a movie and then going to get a beer or get a coffee with somebody and just talking for an hour or two hours about like the movie you just watched and uh, i like podcasts that are basically people doing the same thing mm-hmm. so 
Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's that's why I got into it, and probably why I keep up with it. I did drop. We were doing every other week, and it just became too much. I just I have to realize that podcasting is a hobby and treat it as such, which means do the work three weeks a month, and then do the actual recording one week a month. Mm, yeah, for for me, I, I these people that put put a show put a professional sounding show out every week. It's uh, I don't I honestly don't know how they do it. I. And there's, there's a lot of people on the network that do it. And I know they have regular day jobs. I don't know how they do it either. Like I couldn't, um, our our show was monthly for a long time. And then eventually I kind of pushed and pushed so that to bump it up to at least twice monthly, but even still my workflow is pretty much like it was. We just record two episodes at a time. Right. And I I used to obsess over like every pop, every like lip pop and every, um, like trying to edit all of that stuff out. Like I, I would listen to the show. I would record for an hour and listen for like six hours as I clipped stuff down and took stuff out. And yeah, it was, it was obsessive on my end. So I had to cut that way back as well. Now I spend twice as long editing as what I do recording kind of on average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's a promotion, you know, I've found, I came into Twitter as kind of the film world, you know, embraced Twitter and then using Twitter as a way of promoting the show. Probably not as much as I, could but that but that's been an interesting way to meet other podcasters as well i've definitely i've had two co-hosts already that i've met just through twitter that either have their own podcasts or uh yeah itunes actually one of my this year we did a get out did you happen to see the movie get out Mm -hmm. Uh, we did get out and we paired it with guess who's coming to dinner and i contacted a podcast host from a show called cult 45 it's uh usually it's i think three black guys and they drink and they review cult movies and it's more of a it's more of a comedy show than it is a film show but i listened and just completely cracked up i found them because uh my host and i did a pair of movies one being lost river the Ryan Gosling directed movie Lost River, oh, which is okay. not great. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard that. We paired it with this '70s, just complete psychedelic movie called The Holy Mountain by a director named Yodorowsky. He also did a movie called El Topo. If you're like into midnight movies, uh, anyway, it is just a complete mind boggle. And I went into iTunes and I searched Holy Mountain to see if anybody else, there was any other podcast where they had talked about this. And the only one that I found was this Cult 45 and they watched it because it was a cult movie and loved the show. It cracked me up and I got a hold of the, the guy. He's in Houston. He was like, how did some white guy in southern Indiana find this show and whatever? So we started talking via Twitter or whatever. And, uh, yeah, just this year I brought him on the show for forget out and guess who's coming to dinner and it was a if i do say so myself it was a fantastic show it was great conversation i have not listened to their show after hearing you talk about it i'm gonna check them out but they are all over twitter i've definitely know of their show yeah i've become and i think i think it was after getting into podcasting and various other things and with the networking and how depending on the niche you're, you're moving in how receptive like groups of people will be on Twitter, like Twitter's definitely for a while now been my favorite of the social media because yeah, for sure. Uh, like through Grawlix, we kind of 
network with both uh, podcasters, but also it's it's like comic book focused. And we used to talk about web comics, which almost is kind of two separate communities. But every community, mm-hmm. like there's just awesome groups of people. Um, so it's really great for tying into people that are into stuff that you're into. Yeah, yeah, it kind of narrows the like I said this this ocean of podcasts. You can at least find your niche. It's fine, and I know Twitter can be a real cesspool at times. Mm-hmm. But um, the support that I've gotten from other podcasters from all over the place has been a lot to like really keep me and keep the show going. I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you know a lot of the support that I've got from people that I just network with, basically. I mean, I want to say most of the, most, if not almost all, it seems like occasionally I'll get a message from um, a podcast that just kind of come across our site somewhere, but most of the people on the network I've, I've, you know, met or they've heard of us through Twitter. Um, So it's really helped to connect almost all of us on the network. This is a total aside kind of, but to touch back on since we're talking about Twitter, but to touch back on something you said earlier about how many podcasts are out there for on the electronic media collective Twitter account for a while, I would search out podcasts and add them to lists and kind of just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just have like a comprehensive list of podcasts on Twitter. And uh, I stopped doing that after about 800 and that's just just Twitter accounts for podcasts. Yeah. It's insane. I read somewhere that like 80% of the podcasts won't last longer than one year, maybe even six months. Mm-hmm. People get an idea, they get interested in it, they realize that it takes a lot of time if you want to try to do it right. And if you're not doing it right, it's kind of like, well, what's the point? There's can be more of an expense to podcasting than I think people realizing with, you know, if you're going to create a website, you have to host the website. You're, if you're, I use, um, uh, what is it? Lipson, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a fee. If you're going to use um, SoundCloud, that's a fee. So, I, and I think they just, they don't have the passion for it and they trickle off a lot. So you get a lot of podcasts that will come into your view and then just disappear. I see that quite a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pod fading. That, it, <laughs> it does happen quite a bit. Like our show is on another network, but it's not, it's not really like our network and it's not like a lot of some of the other large networks. Um, it's basically come post your episode on our site, but they require you have at least, I don't know, it's something not crazy, but like 10, 12 episodes oh, sure. um, to yeah, kind of weed out you. pod fading. Yeah. Totally makes sense. But with Grawlix, that was like almost a year because we were monthly and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've even had it. There's there's at least one show that comes to mind that we had on the network and I think they made it three episodes and then since then have not, I have not heard anything from them and their Twitter hasn't been up updated. Like it, yeah, it does happen quite a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, even my show, we took a hiatus. My, my original co-host, we did about the first half of the shows and then his schedule and my schedule just got, you know, where we couldn't get the time together. And so, yeah, we took a bit of a hiatus for a while. And then when, when he did kind of officially pull out, I completely understand, but, um, I still had, you know, this kind of drive to do it. So started talking to other people from Letterboxd, other podcasters and 
you know, we've cranked out the next whatever 15 so shows or so. And what's kind of for me anyway, what's been really interesting is one of those early podcasts I started listening to, the Criterion Cast. Mm-hmm. I actually have had one of their hosts come be a co-host on my show. So it's sort of uh, validating, I suppose, to like this this thing that I looked up to in a strange way. It was just of you know a couple of nerds from Portland, basically. Um, talking about their obsession over the Criterion Collection, the physical media DVD Blu-ray company, I guess streaming now too. But um, met met and started speaking to them through Twitter. One of them lived in uh, Michigan, and while I was up in Michigan on a business trip, and uh, we were able to get together and watch a movie, and then stayed in contact and he agreed to host the co-host the show with me. We did. It was just this this uh, spring we did. Kong Skull Island and Apocalypse Now. Can I ask you? Sure. Did the obvious, because for me in Kong Skull Island, the obvious, I guess you could say homages to Apocalypse Now kind of drove me crazy. Yeah, it's like 60% Apocalypse Now. It's like 60% Apocalypse Now, but not as good as Apocalypse Now. Yeah, it just didn't It just didn't work for me. We don't have to get into movie yeah. talk because I'm worried about where that'll go. But yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. No, I mean, again, I, this was one of the things that I had to judge by the marketing. And they were, de- I mean, the poster for Kong Skull, I, one of the posters was directly, directly referenced the Apocalypse Now poster. And uh, I think that was the last show that I did before I started putting Twitter polls up to let uh, my listeners, I would give them three options, and they get a pick between the three options for the older movie. How, how, uh, I've done I've done that pretty regularly since then. How's that How's that been going? I get, I get actually re- really great. Um, I first <laughs> so the first time I tried this, like in the first four or five episodes, I think we had two votes, and like one was my co-host sister. So I was like, okay, well, we're not big enough for this. This is before I realized that there are more than 200 podcasts uh, (laughs) around. And then when I started it again this year, it was like 60, which was fine. And then the second show was like 120. And then I think we got as many as like 400 votes one time, which was just insane. Like I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, People were really passionate about it. I can't remember which show that was that got so many votes, but uh, people had real strong opinions about it. And it was a blowout also. That, That one was... Everybody wanted to see this one particular movie. So I, I try not to put such a strong contender in, like one strong and then two weak, because it'll be but at the same time you can't do three movies nobody's heard of because then no one will want to vote. So uh there's there's a mix. The last show that I did, I didn't let the audience vote. The the comparisons were too obvious for me not to uh pick the movies that we went with. Sorry, I went back to talking about my show. I must be drunk because that's all I do when I get drunk is talk about my show. <laughs> oh, really? No, it's oh, okay. Apparently. I, I mean, that's why we're – no, that's fine. That's why we're here. But if we, they're more just podcasts and general questions, then by all means. Yeah, that's what I was just trying to think. Were you going to ask what type of mic I use? I honestly don't even know. I bought the mic on Amazon. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't going to ask what kind of – not <laughs> – not, see, and so, okay, this does not need to go in the show, but this is an aside – I've been contemplating trying to get into freelance podcast editing. Yeah, I thought that too. So anyway, I've been focusing a lot on the po- the engineering aspect, and I've kind of been listening to podcasts about that. There's there's a couple, there's at least one that's really good about the technical aspect. But I found I don't care about the hardware. I'm not that interested in microphones. 
and mm-hmm. name and the name brands of mixers and stuff. But the software side is the stuff that really fascinates me. Sure. And I don't, yeah, I don't know why I should, because, you know, you've got to have the hardware if you're like, well, you don't have to, you can make do with lots of things, but yeah, better hardware, ideally, you're going to get a better sound. And so you won't have to work so yeah. hard on the software side, but yeah. Yep. My show is dirt cheap. I use Audacity, the free version of Audacity. I put everything in there and uh, I record over Skype using call. I think it's called like call recorder or something. It's sure. an app. And uh, so it records my Skype call. I drop the data right into Audacity. I used to split my audio and my co-host's audio up and then try to sync them together. But I ended up losing that audio a couple of times. And so now I just record it as one one singular track. And, I mean, I can tell the difference. I can tell that it doesn't sound quite as good. But, again, trying to sync and edit on that sync is... Uh, I would just uh, I, I'm okay with suffering a little bit of uh, loss in quality of audio for the convenience of not having to deal with it. I mean, I'm still on the cheap end of equipment for recording. I guess this stuff, but you know my my podcasts and stuff. And I don't have any one piece of equipment that's like outrageously expensive. But I've slowly upgraded. But the one thing, the big push where I was like, I need to invest in some type of hardware was I kept I've lost at least two episodes like recording into the computer mm. and it's like, Oh, like just to, to sit there and record a full episode and then, and then something, lose all that data. Yeah. And it's just all gone. It's yeah. So I, I did eventually push myself to buy a mixer and an external recorder. So I record almost everything out to external recorder. That's smart. And really the mixer is, I mean, I'm glad I have it now, especially since I've been doing so much like kind of random, like live stuff and, and, uh, interviews like this and stuff. But really that's only because one of our co-hosts is always, you know, always remote. So I kind of needed that with the, with the digital recorder, but yeah, I've always been a, I've been a, a fan of the idea that of you can make do, you can still get really good results with little to sometimes no money, depending what it is you're doing. Yeah. I did a, uh, I did drove down to Nashville, which is about three hours from here. There were three Indian movies, movies from the country of India. Mm -hmm. Um, they're called the Apu trilogy from the fifties by this Indian director whose name escapes me at this moment, which is a travesty. Satya Ray. And, I made it like a like a live thing. I did went in, watched the first movie. It's a trilogy. Watched the first movie, went out to my car and just simply recorded audio onto my iPhone and then went back into the theater, watched the second film and did that after each one and then came home and dumped that audio onto my MacBook and edited and made a show out of that. And I, it didn't sound as good. Like you can hear traffic and you can hear a hum and stuff like that, but... Mm-hmm. In that instance, it's not necessarily about the audio quality. It's about the passion that you're speaking about the movies that you saw. Those movies were they all the three of them were three of the greatest movies. I think that might have been the one, two, and three best movies that I saw that year. I just happened to see them back to back to back in the same day in the same theater, basically at the same time. And they're just they're stunning pieces of work. That was like literally moving like I'm in my car 
holding back the tears as I'm trying to record my thoughts about them like instantly. And um, got a lot of comments from people about how they really appreciated that show. And so like if you you can suffer an audio deficiency if what you're speaking about is, you know, if you're passionate about what you're speaking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite podcasts? And I know you've mentioned a few already. Oh, and you said you had like 15 or so that you listen to regularly. What are what are some of the ones on your your regular rotation? Okay, so these will be almost entirely movie related, but uh, that's what I listen to. So Mm -hmm. there's a movie called there's a podcast called Cinema Land. This is uh, three people out of Kansas. Every time I say where they're from, I forget where they're from, but it's somewhere in the Midwest. I'm pretty sure it's Kansas. And one of the hosts, Brandon, has hosted on my show, but uh, I found I don't even remember how I found them, but um, it's good. There's a really thoughtful movie discussion. I mentioned Cult 45 already. Fighting in the War Room is a professional group of critics uh, that talk film. Uh, film spotting we mentioned film spotting suv is their side project to streaming movies uh movies bs with bear and snyder that's movies bs with bear and snyder these are also professional film critics and it's sort of funny they they get a lot of comments saying oh you guys are not like the snobby regular critics you're like down-to-earth type of people and they they kind of laugh because people like their show because they don't sound so smart but um it's a good one. There's a, a podcast that I love called Musical Notation, uh, hosted by West Anthony, and it is simply about the music in movies. And it, there are short episodes which I love. They're about thirty minutes, and he doesn't just pick a movie and talk about the music in that one particular movie. He may pick an artist and say, "This is the movies that artist has a, this artist has appeared in, or a composer, or whatever." Or he may do just a movie, or he may do like a genre of movies. Or it's great. He his personality is not for everybody. It's a little bit Doctor Demento. If you're an old radio guy and okay. you know what Doctor Demento is. His his comedy kind of syncs up with that, but um, his musical taste is is great, and his show is wonderfully well produced. Um, so there's a podcast out of the UK called Sudden Double Deep, where they take sort of similar to my show, they take three films that have a common word in the title. So the name of their show, Sudden Double Deep, is their their first episode. The word was impact, so it was sudden impact, double impact, and deep impact. And um, they also look for, you know, do these movies have anything else in common beyond the word in the title? And, uh, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Serial, right? Everybody listens to Serial when, when it's available. You must remember this with Katrina Longworth. She tells stories from uh, Hollywood's yesteryears. She'll do an entire season on, say, Clark Gable or like a, a Hollywood romance or whatever it happens to be. And she has a really lovely voice and she's incredibly well informed. Like she research, I can't even imagine the amount that she has to research for these shows. So yeah, that's a, that's a few that I listen to. There, there are several other, several other uh, prominent websites or publications that have supporting podcasts that I'll listen to those. Uh, the treatment with Elvis Mitchell. That's an, W uh, KCRW radio out of, I think LA um, Elvis Mitchell's has been a film critic, film enthusiast for, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, he is a very, 
interesting approach to cinema. I like to listen to him talk about it. What do you use to access the podcast you listen to these days? 100% on my iPhone. Okay. Yep. It's a, I have about a 30 mile commute, which in vehicle is 30 minutes. It's a highway commute. I'm, I plug it in, listen on the way to work, listen on the way home from work. I ride my bicycle four days a week, as much as three hours a day when on the weekends when I can and head headphones are in listening to podcasts during that time. When I do travel, it's podcasts, it's podcast, podcast all through my phone. That's definitely, I think the majority of how podcasts are consumed, but it's, I think so. I, I hear of people that listen to them like on their laptops but when I'm on my laptop, I'm usually doing something else. And because I, I genuinely listen to the podcast, like I, it's a conversation that I want to be a part of. Like it, 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 it takes, I'm, I'm interacting with it and I don't want to listen to a podcast while I'm writing a letter because I'm, I'm not able to like write this letter and I don't listen to them while I work. Because then it's just background noise. I don't need – I would rather have music for background noise. Podcasts are, are part of a conversation. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally with you on that one. I, Yeah. I'll, I'll try to listen while I'm doing other things. But then I'll find like 10, 15, 20 minutes has gone by. And I'm like, wait, what were they talking about? I just missed right. it all because I'm engrossed in whatever else I'm doing. Um, but uh, I am in the car a lot of the day. So I get to listen there. And yeah, it's it's – definitely something i don't know i have to pay attention to it i have to yeah like or else why why do i have it playing you know exactly yeah doing the dishes mowing the grass all you know, I, I put sound blocking uh headphones over my ears while i mow the grass so that i can listen and, and participate in the show mm -hmm. in the shows that i listen to and you get in routines like the movies uh movie bs they put their show out the first thing every Friday morning. So that's what I listen to every Friday on my way to work. I find that when I bike, there are shows that I like to listen to. They're a little bit more higher energy. So I listen to those shows more than, you know, some of the stuff that I listen to is very stale. It's very academic. I enjoy it, but, um, you know, it's nothing to lift weights to. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, so like I, I kind of, a new episode will come up and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to save that one until tomorrow when I'm when I'm riding or, oh, I only have 25 minutes. I'm not going to put in a 90 minute podcast. I'm going to drop in a 30 minute podcast or something. That's a that's a good question from a length standpoint. What's their ideal podcast listening experience? Because 30 to 45 minutes, I think, is perfect. My show typically runs like an hour to an hour and 10 minutes because I ramble on as I am doing right now. But man, you give me a 30 to 45 minute podcast, that's dynamite. And that's something that fascinates me. Um, for myself, I'm not even sure what my preference is. It seems like about that 45 minute mark is uh, seems to be about ideal f for the most amount of people. 30 to 45 minutes, it links up with a lot of people's commutes uh, one way and then the other. Right. I kind of like a little bit longer show, but I, I myself now have a longer commute to work. And so I kind of get that or longer than it used to be. It used to be I could get to work in 10 minutes, so I didn't even bother with podcasts. But now I have a bit more time, so I kind of get the want for a slightly shorter show, 20, 30 minutes, so I could actually get the whole thing in on the drive. But traditionally, I've been a fan of, you know, about an hour, hour and a half. We used to shoot for – I used to shoot for two to three-hour episodes for for Grolic's podcast and uh -huh. I, I think 
two hours may be okay, but like I think that's really excessive for most shows. Like you don't you don't need it. And if it's something that can span, if it's a topic or something that can really span that long, might just go ahead and break it up. I guess. But, yeah, break it up into two or three shows. Like it, if it's a yeah. three hour thing, break it into three shows. I think you'll you'll be more focused on each independent show. You're you're there's a there's a really good podcast. I won't say their name because I'm kind of going to dump on it now, uh, but it's it's commonly two and a half to three hours long, and it would be it would be seven times better, fifty times better, whatever it is, if they took that three hour and they did three one hour episodes out of it. Mm-hmm. It would be tighter, and I like listening, but it, you just keep listening and keep listening, and then you stop and you go to work and you come back and you listen on your way home, and then you stop and then you listen on your way to work, and it's like I've dedicated so much of my time to these two. I was going to say clowns, these two guys talking, <laughs> talking film, something that I'm genuinely interested in, but it just it run, runs on too long. Mm-hmm. That's why I say that for structure for me, like I I try to keep my show at an hour. There was. This is again a not not important kind of an aside. There was a pod. There's a comic book podcast that I come across a while ago, and I still see. I, I you know I, they they pop up on Twitter a lot, and uh, it's kind of interesting because they have segments. I mean, if you're doing a super long show, you at a certain point you almost need to have segments if you're, that's the amount of time you're filling out. And I actually found I I preferred a couple of their segments without having to deal with the rest of the show. Yeah, their episodes were hitting. 10 to 12 hours long. It's insane. Why? Like the only reason you do that is to do that. Right. Like I, right. Oh, it's, that's so crazy. Like who has time for that? Like you would literally, and there's no editing. I can't have any editing in a 12 hour show. That means you record for 12 hours and you just dump the audio onto your feed. No one is re listening to 12 hours. And my, I mean, maybe they are, but I can't imagine re listening to 12 hours of audio to cut out the stuff that really should be cut out because if you do you're not gonna have 12 hours of content you're gonna have eight hours of content yeah insane that's that's i think the most uh, i mean that's a ex- book that's an audio book yeah and they were weak could, they were weekly how do you do it <laughs> i don't know you could listen to of mice and men in the amount of time that that one podcast <laughs> podcast went through uh-huh I, I don't know that i even have 12 hours of stuff to talk about in a week no but the podcast landscape as you would say Mm -hmm. as with most uh, i guess you'd say new media things it's it's constantly changing but right now it definitely seems like it's in kind of a weird time because there's shows like serial and other shows that are are really pulling in big audiences and then you've got advertisers looking i don't know how much you pay attention to any of this and i'm not going to get into a little bit no 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 i mean i pay attention so you got advertisers are kind of tinkering and reworking the ways they're basically still trying to figure it out. And it seems yeah. like this is like definitely, it seems like things are definitely evolving or people are like actively trying to figure out where. I know there's money in this somewhere. Yeah. Where is it at? Yeah, exactly. Do you have any ideas about what is, what's on the horizon? Where do you think podcasting is going? No, that is an interesting question because I think it's 
you know, the, from its point of origin, I think podcasting has been pulling in two separate directions at the same time. So you have shows like Serial or uh, I don't listen really to any at, at any regularity, but sports uh, talk shows, sports podcasts that will bring in celebrities or names. I know Bill Simmons is a is a very popular uh, he has a very popular podcast and so comedians, the comedic podcasts. So you kind of have these people that are already professionals using podcasting to sort of boost awareness of their brand. And on the other end, you have people like myself who are doing this simply as a hobby. And but that middle ground seems to be thinning out or uh, delineating somewhat like you're, you're getting very large podcasts and very small podcasts. It's hard to to fit anywhere inside of the middle. So if we're talking about, um, you know, turning, you know, making money on your podcast or, or, or marketing or, or however it's going, I believe that it will get more difficult for a small podcast to break through for, to be the main source of content for a person or for an entity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like my show, if I was to make a real solid guess, I'd, we get about 250 listeners, I think, something along those lines on each show, which I'm I'm stunned that 250 people have an, an interest in what I have to say on, on film. But, you know, Serial was bringing in over a million, right? Mm-hmm. And there, that's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ocean between my show and Serial or, or so many shows and, and even Bill Simmons' show. I don't know what he brings in, but it's got to be pretty good if, if these people are willing to give him money to advertise on his show. It, it's got to be good. So I, I feel as if it's, it's is now and has always been sort of pulling in two separate directions, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I'm not podcasting to try to, to turn a profit of it. I'm podcasting to engage uh, with my listeners. I, I love it when they – vote on my Twitter polls or they, they uh, email me or I had a teacher um, in, I believe, Iowa see him, send me an email and it says that he teaches a film class to his high school students and my show is now required listening for his students that he enjoys what I have to say and he enjoys the pairings and, and we've uh, networked back and forth a little bit. So that was, I was never expecting to get a, a letter like that, but that was really, really something. So yeah, if if you have a passion for podcasting, or if you have a passion for whatever it is that you're 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 interested in, and and you decide podcasting is the way that you want to express that interest, I think you're going to be uh, validated in it. And if you know if you're Kim Kardashian and you want to host a podcast about makeup or whatever, then you know she'll find some sort of revenue stream out of it. I imagine. Yeah, you make it. Yeah, you kind you kind of hit the nail. On I'm the sorry. Head. Did I break? Did I break podcasting? No, no. You. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head on just the way it 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 is. It's 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 really two different beasts. There's there's definitely two sides to it, and I think it's interesting because it actually it, it seemed like it started on the more um, what's the word experimental side of things yeah exactly there's a, a medium that people didn't really understand they it, they wanted to make it radio basically mm-hmm. and a, a show like film spotting like i said they're the grandfather of film podcasting i mean they had no 
the host, Adam Kempinar, has, has said like he had no idea even what a podcast was. It was two months after he learned what a podcast was before he and his host was making a podcast. And because he was so early into the game, uh, he got picked up by you know a, a semi-nationally syndicated uh, radio station. And that's how they've kind of held on. But you're just not – I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of that anymore. I mean radio, just broadcast radio has changed. I, I was a broadcast major uh, in college. And to, to see how it has changed in the last 20 years, is that's almost a better question is where's radio going? Because podcasting I think is filling the spot that radio or at least talk radio used to. Mm-hmm. AM radio maybe. I can't. I haven't even begun to get into this, but I can't imagine the religious-themed podcasts that are out there. That has to be a tremendous market. If what a person was—that's uh, very cynical, I know. But when I think of a radio, it's exactly it's a lot of the AM radio where I was at was when well, still is, um, you know, religious content. And if if a person wants access to that when they want access to it instead of when it airs on the radio podcast seems like a really great way to to uh, meet that need Mm -hmm. i came across like i had mentioned searching through twitter and stuff um for the emc account i come across a couple religious-based podcasts but not as many as i had thought and but i think it's one of those things it's, i'm it's certainly a niche where if you're searching it out yeah i bet you're right i bet they're there i bet there's tons of them yeah and it, there's also sort of a you know i'm going to guess that religious podcasting would be would appeal to an older audience that may not be as tech savvy mm-hmm. potentially so you may be limiting yourself a little bit there but um yeah i would not be surprised if there were i don't know thousands hundreds if not thousands of what used to be, you know, a religious podcast on AM or religious broadcast on AM radio now just basically transferred into podcast form. And, you know, on the, on the, just to touch on the topic of, of, you know, I mean, it is kind of the new radio, at least for me, it definitely, it definitely is because the, at least the radio stations around here, I got tired of the music they'd play because most mm-hmm. stations they'll, they'll, it seems like they'll rotate maybe eight songs, 10 songs right. throughout the day. And I'm not a huge fan of talk radio and, but which, which is kind of funny, I guess, but <laughs> it, it's kind of, I guess it's all context. Like, and, and it depends what they're talking about, but that's what pushed me. That's what introduced me to podcasts was I was listening to this morning talk radio at work. And then of course, after it goes off air, it goes to radio or it goes to music again. And I'd be bored with it. So mm-hmm. then I discovered you could download old episodes of this talk radio online. So I started doing that. And eventually that led me to like p- looking for other radio on the right. online right. and online, yep. and then podcasts. And then I discovered podcasts where they actually talk about topics I like. I think um, Film Junk was one of the first ones that I picked up and listened to regularly. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with them. And so... For me, it's it's if I get in a car and I don't have a way to like connect my phone to the stereo, it's kind of dead mm-hmm. to me, right? It's it's <laughs> it's it might as well not be there. I mean, if I need it, no, I you know, got to have some type of background noise. That's fine, but right. I'll find myself where I'll just I'll just play my phone through the crappy tiny Absolutely. little phone speaker as opposed to listening to whatever's on the radio. Yeah, I listen to my I put my I have a truck that doesn't have the auxiliary jack, and I mm-hmm. listen to my headphones. I mean. 
as long as no officers of the law officers of the law are listening to this that's i mean that's <laughs> very common it's probably not safe to do it as i ride my bicycle but i do it there also or it's less safe maybe talk radio i i find oftentimes is very annoying it's the same thing if it's a, especially if it's like a comedic show they have like eight bits and if you listen all week long you're going to hear those eight bits mm-hmm. you know tw- twice a day all five days out of the week and then things like iTunes and Pandora and Spotify have sort of democratized, you know, music. You don't have to, you know, there's not four radio stations. When I, I'm 41, when I was young, the, the top 40 meant something. It was the 40 songs that everybody in the United States, if not on the planet, was listening to. Mm-hmm. I say now that we're never going to have another musician, musician the size of Michael Jackson, like the popularity of Michael Jackson, because he was the biggest entertainer that there was at a time with the least amount of uh options to listen to so he he is the 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 king and will remain the king because now if i don't want to listen to the radio if i want to listen to classical music or film scores or old western whatever another there are resources to do that and it's on my phone it's you know three buttons Three, three touches and I'm listening to the thing that I want to listen to there, not what I'm basically being forced to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, and podcasts are the same way. You know, there's, there's no shortage of Lord knows there's no shortage of people wanting to talk about movies or comic books or wrestling or whatever it happens to be. Radio's dead. Podcast <laughs> killed the radio star. Yeah. Yeah. I found there's also interesting niches within podcasting other than like the you know the big podcast and then everybody else but within uh, i mean you've i'm sure you you've seen it like like i've come across there's there's definitely the comic book niche of podcasts and there's the film like network of mm-hmm. podcasts and um i've been kind of getting into uh audio drama a lot lately and that's like sure. it's whole other <laughs> They identify it as podcasts. I mean, it's 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 podcasts. Yeah. They release the yeah. same style, but it's it's audio drama, and it's almost like it's whole c- other contained group well, network of shows. It's so interesting to me. Yeah, it's cl- it is like classic radio. It is the Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater uh, for the whatever for the millennial age or for the twenty first age. It's really fascinating. For, as a matter of fact, I mean, they even have some of them even have sponsors. The way that you know. Mm-hmm. Orson would would cut to Goodyear or whomever was you know uh, pimping his show that that week. Uh, yeah, I've listened to some of those too. Maybe off off air, you can send me to a couple that you recommend. I'll send you a couple recommendations too. I find it pretty fascinating. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and for anyone listening on the stream, I'm sure that'll come up again later because we have um, we have a lot of stuff that'll go up on the stream today if it hasn't already. Um, I think this will probably play before that though from the am audio media guys uh the doctor who dark journey guys um and even even neil and johnny if you kind of want to look at it like that because they definitely are um in the fictional realm Hmm. so i'm sure audio drama podcast will come up quite a bit today because they send in a lot of stuff to play all right well we'll go ahead and wrap this up thank you again andrew if you want to tell the listeners one more time where they can find you and listen to uh, movies now and then. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, first off, thank you very much. I had a great mm-hmm. time talking with you. Be interested in uh, doing this again soon. But uh, as far as me, uh, I'm Andrew Willis. You can find me on Twitter 
at Walk the Earth or basically just go to Movies Now Then. There's no and in the Twitter name. Uh, that I do most of my tweeting there. Um, the show is available on Facebook. We have a Tumblr that I don't use the way that you're supposed to. Yeah, uh, you can. We're, we're available pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. And like I said, I got into podcasting so that I can engage with an audience about talking about film. So if you're passionate about film, if you're passionate about thinking about film, uh, I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, visit electronicmediacollective.com.